You're listening to another episode of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. I'm Tara. He's Alex. And, um, Cardinals? What you doing? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. It has been a while. In fact, Alex and I were just trying to figure out exactly how long it has been because I don't know about all of you listening, but time in the last year or so has seemed to completely lose all meaning. And I don't know what day it is or what time it is or how long it's been since anything normal happened. So at this point, welcome back from whenever it was that you last listened to the show. The good thing is, Alex, we haven't missed much as far as baseball is concerned. We'll talk about that in a moment. But first of all, hi, my friend. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. I, I've I've missed talking to you. Um, although I'm glad we took this break because there was, as you said, pretty much nothing to talk about. So, and why we're diving back in right now as if there is something to talk about, I don't know. But it just seemed like it had been too long. We need to do this. Uh, are we going to be able to get weekly content right now from, you know, I, the challenge is on the Cardinals for that. If there are things to continue to discuss, or those of you listening, if there are things you'd like us to dive into, we can certainly do our best to try, but boy, is it a struggle right now to find a whole lot interesting to, uh, to toss back and forth as far as baseball is concerned. Yeah. I I just want to say, uh, before we started recording, I said to Tara, well, if the Cardinals aren't going to do anything, why should we? So that's kind of our attitude. Exactly. Right yeah. Now. yeah. <laughs> Good or bad, that's the attitude. That's why you haven't heard from us. Plus, you know, life gets a little busy sometimes, and I think we all need to take a bit of a break. So we have. But oh, yeah. Then, don't, aren't, aren't you kind of busy, right? Don't you have something going on? I have a little bit on my mind these days trying to plan a wedding in a pandemic. But, you know, whatever. It's fine. I'll figure <laughs> it out. Can we call your uh, fiance like the Yoko Ono of the Chirps podcast? Like, like it's not, it's not actually his fault, but he can get the blame for it anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like yeah, it, yeah. No, it's, it's really, it's more the Cardinals and the fact that there's nothing to talk about, but that has been, you know, perhaps a, a benefit of having a little extra time on my hands is uh, putting it towards things coming up in uh, the late spring and summer. So that's where we've been. That is what has kept us away. And as we mentioned, haven't really missed a whole lot. So it's not like we need to catch you up on a lot of news other than the fact that, Alex, the Cardinals are kind of in a position to be sort of the de facto NL Central favorite simply because they haven't shipped all their players off. I don't what what reality are we living in right now? My reality is this. If they don't win the NL Central this year, I will be furious. Um, and I'm already a little furious in that they're not making it uh, obvious that they are going to win. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it, it is right there. And it seems like they don't even have to do all that much. They, they could have picked up Wong's. Have we, have we talked since they? We haven't. We haven't talked we haven't. since they uh, yeah. declined Wong's option or whatever the heck it was for $12.5 million, if I'm getting that number right. It is maddening. And I've heard a lot of people say this. I'm curious if you feel the same way. I bet you do. This is easily the least interested I've been in both the Cardinals and baseball, maybe in my adult life. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really I, trying to, uh, to think of another time where you know, I it's think atrocious. It's, it is. It's not, I mean, there's certainly other things besides the Cardinals that haven't helped, like the pandemic, the screwy season last year, uh, all of that, just, you know, everything. But it's mostly because of the Cardinals, and it's mostly because of the other teams and MLB as to why I feel this way. Yeah, you know, I think all of last year – in baseball kind of fed into that, right? We were saying it while we were just kind of in that standstill waiting for if baseball was going to start up and what it was going to look like and what the rules were going to be. At that point, we were kind of like, well, the longer we go without baseball, the less I really care about how they get this season going because it doesn't seem like it's going to feel normal. It's not going to feel like what it always feels like. But I think that then has been exaggerated by this offseason were there like two teams doing anything of substance? I mean, if you're a Padres fan or a Mets fan, at least they've kept it interesting for you. But otherwise, particularly in the, the NL Mets, Central. Mets have kept it very interesting. Yeah, the Mets have kept things very interesting. <laughs> sorry, it's not, uh, sorry, that's not funny. I shouldn't. I'm not making light of their current things. It's not funny, but. Right. But they're, the, you know, the change in leadership in the Mets organization and I mean, from the owner perspective, has really shaken things up and a lot of it in a good way, including, you know, taking responsibility for what their GM does on sort of a, a character basis. And that's a whole different part of the conversation. We may circle back to that if we if we run out of things to talk about for the Cardinals, because there just aren't many. But point is, there really hasn't been a whole lot to become interested in. And I, I do agree with you. I find myself thinking... Well, I miss watching baseball, but I'm not that anxious about getting it back because there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot to latch onto at this point. And one of the things that I think frustrates me the most is kind of going back to what you said about the NL Central. We kind of said this last year, right? That the NL Central wasn't going to be a very strong division. And while the Cubs still seemed like the the strongest competition, they they could have been the cardinals could have made a move or two that seemed to solidify them as the favorite in the division now of course then covid happened and and things got all kinds of wacky for everyone but this is even more of that right that there's literally no one else in the division that appears to be any kind of competitive when you look at the the landscape of the top teams in baseball and all the cardinals have done to maneuver through that is to not sign anyone, <laughs> to not include Wong in their plans, to not make a decision about Wainwright or Molina, and not really do anything else either, right? Some international players signed, and, and that's all good and well, but not necessarily a direct impact to the Major League roster, uh, at least immediately. And it just feels like the the thing that you're doing to try to keep people interested in a 2021 season where you may or may not be able to have fans in the stands is nothing. I it just, it's mind boggling to me that there isn't at least maybe, and maybe this is the, the sort of marketing side of my brain that thinks, okay, if I'm trying to convince people to want what I'm selling, I got to give them something. And at this point, there's not a lot to buy into other than just, but it's Cardinals baseball. Everyone always loves Cardinals baseball, no matter what we do. And I think a lot of us are kind of tired of that shtick where it's just like, but you're going to love it no matter what we do. So we don't really have to try that hard. Yeah, I, I think if 
there was a, a lesson in our lifetime. It's that the work stoppage from 1994-95 showed that people aren't just going to immediately come back right. to, to something once it's whole again. Now, what happened last year was very different from uh, what happened in 1994-95, but it does sort of feel like that, right? Like, like, you're, like, like the last season did not feel like a complete season. It did not feel... And then that's to take nothing away from the Dodgers. Uh, in a way, I thought baseball sort of got bailed out that the best team won. Yeah. Because, you know, if the Astros, who went in the playoffs with a losing record because of, you know, the extended playoffs thing, had won the World Series, then that would have looked terrible. Uh, especially since it's, you know, the Astros and they have a whole host of other issues going on. So I think this year could be very ugly very ugly from a rating standpoint, just from a marketing standpoint, from, you know, something that we have talked about a lot. We've even disagreed about from time to time in terms of like how they market the game to viewers, uh, particularly younger viewers. I I think this season could be a a disaster. You know, if people like you and I are talking about like how uh, uh, uninterested we are, yeah, and I I can't imagine. Uh, I I think it's fair to say we both rise well above the the casual fan pedigree. Um, so, but I so I can't imagine how a casual fan feels. I also wonder, and I'm I'm curious to get your opinion on this. Like, yeah, like the NL Central was just weird last year. The Cubs were the rightful winners of the division because they all all the teams played roughly the same amount of games. The Cubs had the best record. But when it was all said and done, I, to me, there was no real best team. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know who the one. Like, I felt as though four of the five teams could have won that division. I even include the Brewers in that, who I think finished with only 29 wins. Um, no, no one was very impressive at all. And I'm curious, like, let's say the Cubs aren't doing what they're doing now and that they're, they either kind of stayed the course, which would make them a threat this year, or they were doing something more in line with like the Mets or the Padres or the White Sox in terms of making actual moves to improve the roster. Do you think the Cardinals offseason would look exactly the same? Or do you think they would have reacted? And if your answer is, I think it will. And how does that, I guess, view your perception on what they're doing now? Because if, if they would have pivoted, because the Cubs are trying to get better, then that almost makes me angrier that they aren't trying to get better now when it's so easy to win this division. Uh, I, I think I heard, I think it was Jeff Jones on the Meet Me at Unusual podcast said that th- said something, um, and he wasn't defending this. He was more saying this is a, a way perhaps the Cardinals are looking at it, that like, look, if you win the division by 15 games, it's not really any different from winning the division by two games. Well, except for the margin of error you have, and except for the fact that if you win the division by 15 games, you're probably more of a threat to advance in the playoffs than you are a team who finishes the season with 85 wins uh, or 86 wins. That's all assuming a 162-game season. So, yeah, do you think the Cardinals offseason looks the same if everyone else in the NL Central offseason were, were different or, or do you think the Cardinals were going to do this no matter what? You know, first of all, yeah, I think the, the key there is you might win the division by 15 games, but if the, if you win the division by 15 games by being barely over 500, (laughs) 
that's not going to bode well for you as far as a World Series is concerned. And if that is the ultimate goal, which I think is a fair question at this point for the Cardinals front office, is a World Series title the goal or is making the playoffs the goal? And I don't know that there's a, a likable answer to that question from them right now. But in light of that, I think that sort of determines what they would have done had anybody else been making dramatic moves. I think the Cardinals are... and. <laughs> I was going to say this word without realizing that it's a it's a classic John Mozeliak word, but the Cardinals are very opportunistic, right? They don't make moves to react. They don't make moves because someone else made moves, but they will make a move if the right opportunity comes along for them, not necessarily in relation to what anyone else is doing. So do I think that they would have perhaps made some additional moves if the Cubs had actually been trying to make themselves better or if the Reds had decided they were going to you know, go all in and actually try to win with the the players that they have or whatever it is. Maybe, but I don't think it would have been anything, you know, sort of this like tit for tat, you make a move, I'm going to make the same move and try to outmaneuver you because that's just not what the Cardinals do. Mm -hmm. I think that is in part what is frustrating to the fan base because we see teams like the Mets and the White Sox and the Padres making big moves to try to make themselves competitive with the Yankees and the Dodgers of the world, right? And the Cardinals just stand pat and think, well, nobody else is doing anything, so we can win the division without having to cost, without it having to cost us anything. And my caveat here is that I understand the business side of the pandemic altered season and the insecurity of what's going to happen this season. The Cardinals hate that sort of uncertainty as far as financially what they're working with. And that doesn't bode well for them to do anything dramatic this offseason. But I do think that whole premise, the idea that they don't generally make moves based on what someone else has done or hasn't done, coupled with the sort of stalemate that we've seen over the course of this winter so far, lends to some of not just that apathy, but then also the frustration of like, what are we trying to do here? Because if they're going to come out, whether it's winter warm up this past weekend or at the beginning of the season and say, we feel really confident in the team we're putting on the field, but it's a team that everyone in baseball looks at and isn't scared of at all, then it makes everyone watching think, okay, is the disconnect between what they say publicly and what they think behind closed doors? Or is the disconnect between how they're actually defining success? Is winning the division because everyone else is terrible good enough? Is making it to the playoffs, especially if they're extended again, and calling that a victory good enough? Or do they want to be able to compete with those big name teams, not necessarily in payroll, but in skill set, in the potential of that team to go into a, a five or a seven game series and win. Because if it is, their actions don't really back that up at this point. Yeah, and it's it's really funny thinking that I guess just two years ago it seemed like the NL Central was poised to be like some juggernaut of a of a yeah. of a division. You know, Cardinals acquired Goldschmidt, Cubs were still the Cubs, uh more or less. Uh Brewers had uh uh, my gosh, I always forget this stupid guy's name. And he's a superstar. <laughs> Who's the best Brewers player? 
got from the Marlins. We always talk about the Cardinals should have traded for him instead of Ozuna. Oh. Yelich. <laughs> Yelich. I, I don't know why I can never remember that guy's name. Anyway, <laughs> the NL Central was in very good shape, and it looked like they were going to have – and, you know, the Reds were starting to rebuild. Um, it looked like almost the opposite of what it looks like now. And so it's just so weird how, how quickly things can change in two years. I will also say that it's also frustrating as a fan because when you watch a baseball team run away with a division, it's a lot of fun. And you yeah. think about how good the Cardinals have been since 2000. They really haven't done that yeah. since, I mean, I guess maybe you could say 2009. Uh, but that was mostly because, you know, the Cardinals won the division in 2009. But they only won like 91 games. And, and I think the rest of the division was like really bad. Like I think the Cubs finished in second place with like 83 or 84 wins or something like that. And so you really almost have to go back to like 2005 where the Cardinals were just like, look, we're the best team. We're going to kick everyone's butts all year. Um, and we're going to go wire to wire. Um, and, you know, you would think maybe like, because there isn't that like level of ex- excitement or anxiety in a uh, pennant race or whatever, or whatever you want to call it, that it would be boring. But it's the opposite, in my opinion. It's so much fun tuning into a team every day that is uh, better than the competition and running away with the title. And so that stinks. Um, and I think it's also we should note that there's no guarantee the Cardinals as currently constructed are going to win this division. There's no guarantee that, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, yeah. it, what's so impressive about them right now? If, if you think about what they've <laughs> lost from a team last year that was good, but still highly flawed. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that's part of the frustration is that if you kind of just luck into a situation where, huh, all of a sudden we're kind of the maybe best team because we didn't change anything, that's not really a great way to go into a season, especially not knowing, look, the Cardinals are chief amongst many teams of having young guys step up and they win a lot more games than maybe anyone expected them to, right? You can't bank on that, but they know it happens. They know that it's a possibility. So whether that's someone else in the NL Central or another team that they would have to play come playoff time if they were able to pull off a, a division win, you know, they they know that that can happen in their world, they have to anticipate that someone else might be able to pull that off as well. So to see this idea, and again, look, I, I realize we're assuming a lot at this point in mid-January to say, well, they're just not going to do anything. So they're obviously not trying. But the timelines are weird right now. They're not the only team in baseball that hasn't really done much to set themselves up for the new season, probably in part because they don't know when that's going to start or what it's going to look like or what the rules are even going to be, if they're going to have a DH, if they're not going to have a DH. They don't know all of those details yet, and I understand that. But I think what becomes a problem for me, Alex, is that it, it kind of feels like a, a, a continuing trend of we just want to be good enough and not not try to go above and beyond because we don't need to win the division by 15 games. But you're right, especially coming off of a season that was as much of a cluster as it was last year, 
to not try to do something to give the fan base a reason to come back when they can and to just sort of assume that people are going to say, oh, well, they're the we're, we're Cardinals fans. Obviously, we're going to give them our full attention as soon as humanly possible. Look, St. Louis in and of itself has other sports teams that are drawing people's attention now. So if you want those eyeballs, if you want those people to buy tickets whenever they eventually can, I'm just like, give me something to root for. And if it's seeing my team, it's going to be absolutely dominant in their division. I'm going to love every second of that. Much like I imagine Dodgers fans have loved every second of it during the regular season for the last few years for them as well. I don't think that should be considered some sort of less than on the, the, the excitement scale because it wasn't neck and neck all the way through. I think, I think there are different ways fans can get excited. And one of them is knowing my team is the best in the division and it isn't even close. But to get there, the Cardinals would have to be willing to spend money they don't want to spend and take risks they don't want to take. And, you know, look more towards the immediate than towards the future, which isn't really their style, or at least it hasn't been in what seems like a lot of years. Right. And and I want to be clear, I'm not arguing, and I I don't believe you are either, that it's easy to build a team like the 2004 Cardinals or or the 2005, you know, like, like, that's not something that's necessarily easy to put together. What, what we are saying is that if you have the opportunity to dominate a division, you go for it. And I feel like the Cardinals have that opportunity this year, and I feel like they aren't going for it. And so I think that's my, I think that's my biggest point. Yeah. And yeah. Do you see any scenario in which, as you said, the we're still in January, we're still in mid-January, and I think that you know Mo is always good for at least one famous quote per off season this year, it was what January is the new December, uh, which is bearing a lot of fruit since they haven't done anything. And they haven't, they didn't never did anything in the prior <laughs> December's before that really. So, <laughs> so he's right. Um, but let, let's say they don't really make a move that moves the needle. Do you see any scenario where they can do that and get away with not bringing back Yachty, both Yachty and Wainwright just in terms of from a, like a, uh, a competitive standpoint, a PR standpoint, uh, everything. In my mind, no, because, and I was trying to explain this, I think to to Daniel Shopta a couple of weeks ago when we talked, it's wild to me to present this team where you don't want to do anything extra, right? You don't want to go outside and bring anything extra in because of the cost. And then you also don't keep two legacy players who also still have productive value on the field for whatever that cost is, right? If you're not going to pay Colton Wong $12.5 million, you're not going to add anyone else to the roster, and you're still not going to keep Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina in St. Louis, I think that's a really hard sell on a lot of levels, right? On a competitive level, because, I mean, are you <laughs> if, you, if Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina are too expensive – what kind of additional value are you going to get for less than that? And on a, a sort of entertainment level, that sort of loyalty to the St. Louis thing, if you're not going to keep Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, I, I don't know how you continue to 
I, I don't know. It just, it feels like a very hard sell for me. And look, I get it. Yadier Molina in 2021 is not going to be Yadier Molina from 2010 or 2011, right? But we keep saying that. And then we also keep seeing him find a way to still be valuable to the team. I understand the idea of maybe wanting him to split time and maybe Yadier Molina doesn't want to do that. And then that's his call, right? He's, he's said in the last week, maybe I'll just retire. And if he does, then he can ride off into the sunset and he will be beloved in St. Louis for forever. Adam Wainwright showed last year he was still able to be incredibly competitive. Can he sustain that over an entire 162-game season? I don't know, but we don't know if they're going to play 162 games yet. So, look, I understand there's still a lot of things up in the air. But in my mind, if you don't do anything else of consequence, and you also don't bring Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina back, it just gets really hard to convince anyone that you're actually trying to win the division. Yeah, because, you know, we from time to time have daydreamed about like, say, Albert Pujols spending like his last season in St. Louis somehow, however that would work, which it probably wouldn't. And that's a fun thing to think about, at least just from a uh, coolness factor, but it, it wouldn't be great on the field because he's not. He's not a very viable first baseman anymore. Um, right. Although the DH is still up in the air, but you know he's not even a great hitter anymore, which is sad. But regardless, it would still be cool. Um, this is a little different in that you know y- Yadi obviously is still uh, I would think at, at least a very average catcher, if not still yeah. slightly above average catcher. And Wainwright has proven that he is still a a good guy to have at the end of the rotation. Now, a lot can change from year to year, especially especially with pitchers who are in their late 30s. I mean, Wainwright turns 40 soon, right? Or or at least within the next year yeah. he turn 40. Um, I believe but, so, yeah. But yeah, but he's still there's still reason to believe that he would be a good fourth or fifth starter. Yeah. And, and that's why this is hard to accept. It's it'd be one thing if they had reached kind of that, if they had both kind of reached that Pujols level of like, look, the only reason we're keeping them around is because they just feel like they are lifelong Cardinals. They're not really good anymore, but it'd be weird to have them in another uniform. That's true. Um, It would be weird to have them in another uniform, but it's also true that they still add value to the team. So it would be really disappointing if they're not with the, with the club this coming yeah and i think for me that that disappointment is sort of magnified by feeling like well they're not going to do anything to to fill in with someone better right if it was like okay we're not going to pay adam wainwright and yadier molina because we're going to do this thing that's going to be this big move that's going to make everybody excited and we're going to be you know back in the conversation for more than just making the postseason Okay, I think you can sell that a little bit, right? You can say, hey, these guys are going to be Cardinals legends forever. If they want to continue playing, that's fine. The The organization is going a different direction. But if it, it feels more like, well, they're not really, they're just going to fill from within, right? They're going to make Andrew Kisner the the starting catcher. Uh, and they're going to pull up, you know, someone up, maybe Daniel Ponce de Leon gets a chance in the rotation instead of Adam Wainwright. While those things are fine, and I think giving those players the chance to to shine is a, a, a reasonable option in its own right, it doesn't seem to justify letting go of the value that you still have in Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, you know, unless, of course, they're asking for something that's completely outrageous, which we have no idea because, you know, 
Adam Wainwright's not texting me about <laughs> what he's uh, what he's hoping for in in terms of a contract. And as much as Yadier Molina's on Instagram, I don't think he's made that information public either. So I agree. I think those two uh, are are th- look. We knew they were going to be tough questions to answer at the end of last offseason, but I don't think that the way the Cardinals have maneuvered throughout this winter so far, maybe they'll surprise us and we will actually have something to talk about next week. But so far, it doesn't look like they're leaning into the possibility of outpacing the competition in the NL Central. And that makes it hard to, in my mind, justify not bringing back Wainwright and Yadier Molina. And I feel like at this point, I'm just repeating myself because it seems quite logical to me. (laughs) And there's also not any, you know, confirmed information. Uh, And again, like, to be clear, no one else has signed them either. So it's not like they disappeared real quick because everyone else in baseball wanted them. So I don't know what the, the conversations are. I don't know what the phone calls are. I don't know what the contract details they've been offered might be. But it seems there's as much value in St. Louis, perhaps more than there would be anywhere else. Yeah, well, if you want, we can stop dumping on the Cardinals and uh, dump on the Cubs, which is always fun. Because <laughs> we I, could do that. We could do that. Because I, I was thinking about the Cubs, and I'd be furious if I was a Cubs fan. And if you go online for a mere five minutes, you will find that the Cubs fans are, in fact, furious as they should be. And, you know, I remember the day after they won the World Series in 2016. I think what most upset me was not the fact that they had just won the World Series, as disgusting as that was. I think what was most troubling was what I thought their future looked like. And I think what everyone thought their future looked like. It it felt like the Cardinals' dominance over the NL Central was officially over for the foreseeable future because... It seemed like this sleeping giant had finally been woken up and that they were going to finally maximize their potential in a way the Dodgers have and that we were just going to have to deal with this going forward and hope that somehow the Cardinals would be able to, you know, keep scraping by with 88 to 90 wins maybe and somehow, you know, at least get in that wild card game. But days of actually winning the NL Central seemed to be if not completely over, they, they seem to be uh, they, they weren't going to just start, you know, piling up like they had in years past. Right. That wasn't even five years ago. <laughs> and look at where they are now. It's unconscionable what, what has happened. And, you know, again, we had this pandemic that nobody foresaw. Um, and it's, it's really hard to analyze this stuff because, you know, 29 of the 30 teams don't really have their books open to the public. But in, I've, I've said this before, but Rob Maines at Baseball Perspectives, I think, analyzes this stuff as well as anyone. And it always seems to be an issue that these guys, and when I say these guys, I'm talking about the owners, they are not poor. They're just not as rich as they thought they were going to be. They're not as rich as they want to be, which is maximizing profits to the upteenth degree rich i guess and mm-hmm. so if, if i was a cubs fan i i would just be i would just be shaking my head on so many things that have happened 
since that day after the World Series because someone failed. It's a big failure. They won, you know, and and that's I, I don't want to overlook their World Series because winning World Series is never easy. Uh, as as they showed, you know, they went 108 years without one. But man, that is to me a example of 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 huge failure, and I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing with them dismantling this team piece by piece is just leaving fans with the realization that it's not easy to win a World Series. It's a lot harder to create the dynasty that they were supposedly bringing to Chicago. And there are very few teams that have been able to do that and to do it successfully. I I think, you know, as much as the Cardinals had some really strong years in the NL Central, they weren't winning World Series after World Series after World Series either. So it's just, it's hard to do that. It's hard to do it in a landscape where you're going to have to pay those young guys in order to keep them. And you know, then when a pandemic blows everything up in your face, you kind of have to deal with that as well. I I know I don't, I don't want to excuse ownership a whole lot because I feel like they, uh, they do their share of manipulating a situation to their benefit, which is probably how they got to the position of being able to own a baseball team. And I never will, but that's a different story entirely. But it does just show you that what these teams are trying to do and how they're trying to create that longevity it's not easy and it's not easy whether you bring them all up from within the system or whether you pay pitching or you do, you know, whatever your method is, it's not easy to, to keep that together in a way that you're right. It seemed like the Cubs were going to be able to do, or they were planning to do, or that it was sort of laid out in sort of this long-term plan in a way that seemed poised to be really successful. It's just not that easy. And, you know, I guess to some degree, that's where you can credit the Cardinals for maintaining some level of success for quite a while. I think it's just a matter of, as I said, how you define that success at a point where you're far enough removed from your last World Series title that fans are starting to grow restless. And, you know, there's got to be a nice financial boost when you win that World Series title anyway. So you would think they would want to put themselves in in the running for that. I don't know. At this point, we just keep talking in circles because there's nothing else to talk about in the world of Cardinals baseball. So, Alex, I think I am tapped out of of Cardinals angst for today, unless you have something else you'd like to, to throw in here last minute. I don't. I think we said it all. All right. Well, if any of you listening have any more you would like to add to that conversation, as always, feel free to respond on Twitter or in the uh, the comment section on the podcast if that's your jam. It's been a while, Alex. I almost forgot how this works, but I believe we wrap up the show with a chirp of the week. Yes, you, you send it over to me for the chirp of the week, and then I dazzle minds with facts and nuggets of Cardinals past. All right, I am I am ready to be dazzled. Right. So uh, this is going to be a quick one, and I had someone else do all the work for me. Basically, uh, I'm I'm taking a tweet from late November of of last year. Uh, it the minute I saw it, it was like, man, I can't believe, or I wish I had really discovered that because that's that's such a this is such a cool fact, and I had no idea, and I think it's just the neatest thing. Uh, I almost feel bad 
even painting the Cardinals in a positive light after what we just talked about, because, you know, <laughs> do they deserve it? Not really, but still, this is such a fun tweet. And it's from uh, Jim Passan, who I hope I'm saying his last name correctly. He's a co-host of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. And in late November, he listed all of the teams in the National League and ranked them by when they most recently had the worst record in the National League. Not in their division, but in all of the National League. So most recently was Pittsburgh, uh, which was in 2020, meaning this past year. And if you scroll down the uh, to the four, you know, there's 15 teams in the National League. If you scroll down to the 14th team, meaning the team that has gone the second longest without having the worst record in all the National League, you have the Braves in 1990. And I actually remember that because it was a very big deal when they won the division next year and they went from worst to first. Um, so that's 14 of the 15 teams. That leaves the Cardinals, who have not had the worst record in the National League since 1918, which uh, coincidentally is the last time we had a pandemic, uh, if, if that's of <laughs> any interest. Uh, perhaps if we hadn't had a pandemic that year, they, you know, they would have been better. I don't know. I haven't studied the roster or who was sick and who wasn't. Um, so who knows, maybe it would have gone back even farther than that, but yes. So every team in the national league basically has finished with the worst record in the national league, at least once within the last 30 years, with an exception of the Cardinals who haven't done it in over 100 years. And I think that's awesome. I love everything about that stat. And just out of curiosity, I went and counted when the Cardinals, since that time, how many times the Cardinals have had the best record in the National League? And by my count, and I only did it once, and it was just kind of like my own scrolling through baseball reference. So I may have been wrong by, you know, one, uh, you know, there might be a margin of error of one, maybe. Uh, but 19 times since 1918, the Cardinals have had the, the best record in the National League uh, around 19 times. So that's 19 times with the best record, zero times with the worst record since uh, 1918. And I think that stat, better than anything, kind of sums up the Cardinals, which is that they are often pretty good and almost never awful. <laughs> which, you know, in a lot of ways, <laughs> yeah. probably kind of okay. We should, all, stri- we should all strive to be <laughs> decent and almost never awful. Yeah, that is my uh, new maybe life motto is mostly okay, not ever awful. That's yeah. that seems like a pretty pretty fair bar to set for all of us. So maybe that's you know what maybe the analytics team also found that stat and that they were like, look, we just have to not be awful and we're better than a lot of other people. Well, I tell you what, if 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 somehow they manage to have the worst record in the National League this year, I doubt they will because other teams are trying very hard to do that. But if somehow the Cardinals managed to do that this year, then um, they would never hear the end of it for me. And I believe basically everyone in the entire uh, Cardinals nation. I don't know. What, what do we call it? Accurate. The fan yeah. base? And pro- the Cardinals yeah. nation? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that's probably fair. All right. Well, we will hope that that does not happen and that perhaps they can add a, a 20th year of the best record in the NL. Although based on their actions so far, that seems highly unlikely at this point. But, you know, there is still time because maybe February is the new January. Who really knows at this point? Well, They're just going to keep pushing that timeline until they absolutely have to make decisions. You don't, you don't <laughs> think uh, the day baseball season kicks off, the cover of the Post-Dispatch is going to be like, 
Tyler O'Neill and Paul DeYoung, like holding their baths saying like, Dodgers, we're coming for you. (laughs) You know, it's possible. It's possible that that would be the bravado that this team chooses to have uh, warranted or not. But I'm not expecting that. No, (laughs) me neither. All right. Well, we'll see if the Cardinals do anything else of note in the next week or so and just stay tuned keep an eye out on twitter or make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you don't miss whenever it is that we have things to talk about again alex it was good to talk to you and it was good to you know vent a little bit about baseball even though there's uh not much material to work with at this point you too nice to be back Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you sticking around and waiting, hopefully anxiously, for a new show. And we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. That's Alex. I'm Tara. We'll talk to you again sometime soon-ish. 